And welcome back, everyone, to Exploring Faith, Pursuing Grace. My name is Daniel Rogers, and I'm here with Sean Alex Smith, who is a worship minister for the Clear Creek Church of Christ in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Sean Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? Hey, Daniel, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So Sean Alex and I have a uh, similar background and that we are both uh, diehard Maywood Christian camp uh, campers. Um, I know that I went pretty much my whole life and... Uh, we missed each other by a week. I went to seventh week, hashtag seventh week squad, and uh, he went to the eighth week. So we missed each other by a week. But if you're a Maywood person, like you might as well just be lifelong friends uh, because so many similar stories uh, we could probably tell about uh, about David's Lodge and the mess hall and the canteen. You know, lots lots of fun memories had, and of course every Ballfield Devo had to start off the same way. Uh, just look at those beautiful stars. <laughs> so I can't tell you how many uh, devotionals I heard at night that started off with that line. But Sean Alex, man, tell us a little bit a little bit about your ministry. Uh, most people have uh, a preacher, maybe a youth minister, but not everybody has a worship minister on staff. So tell us about that. What's that like? So I have been at Clear Creek coming up on two years now. Um, I'm full time there and my role is worship. So I'm really, anything that happens during the Sunday morning gatherings is something that I've planned or at least been made aware of. And, you know, <laughs> it's my job to work with our teaching minister um, to figure out, you know, what our plan and our big message for Sunday is going to be. So that's what I do now. Um, I graduated from Harding in 2020. I don't recommend graduating during COVID, yeah. um, but I did it. <laughs> Um, and I grew up in North Alabama in Decatur. That's awesome. So uh, you mentioned that you're full-time. So this is all you do is, is plan worship, think about worship, and <laughs> I, what other related responsibilities might you have on top of that? Yeah, so it's funny. Um, I never thought I would work in the church, um, but I'm thankful that the right opportunity came up to me. I actually majored in business and information systems and project management at Harding. Oh, yeah, that's what I was about to ask, but I, I guess maybe project management might have uh, you know some similar skill sets to someone who's trying to plan out a worship service and sort of get everybody on the same page where that's concerned. So Yeah, it really does, and I mean, really, every every week is a project if you want to think of it that way. Um, you're working with different people. You have different deliverables, if you will, that you have to make sure that are ready to go for the Sunday morning. Yeah, that's right. And and also, if you're trying to make it cohesive, like with a common theme or common message, then that can take a lot of work. Uh, I know that I meet with our worship minister, uh, Jason Simmons, every week that it's his turn to sort of lead worship. We, we go out to eat. We talk about the theme for that week. Um, if I'm not speaking, we'll pull one of the other minister's slides or uh, passages and just comb through it and try to find anything we can to make the worship flow with a common theme. So yeah, I know that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of effort on your part for sure. So um, you said you're at Clear Creek. What, what sort of websites or socials uh, can you plug so we can sort of look into your work a little bit? So for being 25, I'm on Facebook way too much. Um, so, you know, you can always find me on Facebook, but our, um, church website, um, has everything that you would want to know about our church. It's clearcreekcoc.org. Um, okay. we've actually during COVID before I was hired at Clear Creek, I mean, they've kind of steered away from printing stuff every week and we direct everybody to our website for anything. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, a uh, cutting down on the, uh, on your uh, economic or uh, environmental footprint there <laughs> by switching to sort of an uh, electronic format mainly. And so everything's on your website. I noticed that you can do prayer requests. You can uh, obviously contribution, church announcements, basically anything that anybody needs to know about your church can be found on the web. And that's, uh, that's obviously great for multiple reasons. Not only do you have a technologically based society, but I'm sure also in COVID there were, might've been some health concerns about, you know, passing around those papers and, you know, sending people to, to sort of the central location to pick up their bulletin or whatever. Uh, so that probably helped decentralize a lot of that and ease people's minds uh, uh, during during COVID for sure. Um, so y'all's services are all live streamed. I know I've watched uh, several of them myself uh, in preparation for this uh, interview here. Um, how much work goes into the production of that live stream? 
I know that's, I know the answer because I do it myself, but I'm just got to throw it out there. <laughs> so I would say we're kind of new into more of the production side of things just because COVID is what really demanded everybody to step up and be able to do that. Yeah. So yeah. I think that made our church aware. And that was, I came on at Clear Creek in December of 2020. So, you know, kind of at the peak or maybe coming off of the peak of COVID is when I started my ministry. Um, wow. So it's definitely yeah. a weird time to start. Um, but yeah, we've dipped into more of the production stuff now. Like, I mean, we just got in um, a few new cameras, you know, we need to work on lighting and that sort of thing to make sure our stream is uh, quality that way for people watching online. Um, people have a, something quality where they can get um, their spiritual feeding from and it's interesting though because i mean we're looking at just kind of stats for our church in the last couple weeks and we actually even though like every other church average less people a week than we did before covid we actually are reaching more people now than we ever have and a lot of that's because people are watching our live stream yeah there's a lot to be said about a good quality live stream and people don't really get how uh you know Bad, bad audio quality, a buzz in the background, maybe the lyrics don't show up the right way on the screen or the slides don't show up right or whatever. That can be a turnoff for people who are trying to stay engaged when they have so many uh, distractions going on during the broadcast. So I know that can be a lot of work. And as someone who started working with ProPresenter back in February of March this year, I'm still <laughs> still learning things about uh, about props and using those triggers to change audio channels and things like that. It is a ton of work. And so adding a video switchboard in there to, you know, have three different angles for your worship, man, that's, yeah, that's a lot of effort you guys got to put into that to, to maintain it, to keep up with the uh, newest technology and things. So, all right. So I need your help. Um, Jason Simmons is my worship leader. And when I first got here, he like, sat me down and gave me like a six-hour lecture on why I should call him worship leader and not song leader. Uh, and to me, I'm still sort of in the dark about that. I, I do what he says. I call him worship leader. But I've even, I've even seen other resources that say that they move away from uh, calling their uh, music director or whatever song leader to worship leader. Can you shed any light on that at all? Why the transition? What's, what's the difference between the two? Yeah, so I'll be honest, I'm not somebody who, you know, is, you know, thirsting for a certain label or anything, but yeah, I think yeah. there's a distinction to be made, um, and for me, it's really a question of vision, um, mm. song leader versus worship leader. Um, it's a question of, am I feeling a need, or am I leading people in worship? Because the people you are leading are limited to your vision of worship, and if you only see worship leading as picking songs because we need songs to be led... Um, you're leading your church to have a shallow understanding of worship. But wow. on the other side of that, a worship leader recognizes the deeper meaning of the assembly and how God uses worship to work on people's hearts. And I would say even the most conservative view of singing and worship shows that we sing to honor God, but we also sing and worship to fill up one another and encourage one another. Well, yeah, that's that's a that's an excellent way of putting it. Um yeah, I, I think I've done that before. You know, someone would come up to me before services and they say, hey, hey, we got uh, the song leader can't be here today. Can you fill in? And it's like, sure, let me pick out like five songs randomly from the songbook, you know, and hopefully everybody knows them. And hopefully the notes are not too high, like through the course or something and I can sing it. OK, and you just sort of get up there, go to the motions and then sit down. But it sounds like and so from some people's perspective, they're like, what, this church is paying this guy to lead singing? <laughs> really? Like anybody can do that. But what you're saying is it's way more of an experience. It's more, uh, there's more intention that goes into it. As you mentioned at the start of the podcast, there's a whole lot more, uh, there's, there's a whole lot more planning. So kind of going off of that, what are, you know, what are some different approaches that you've seen people take uh, to worship specifically on Sunday morning? Well, I would say overall about worship, you know, if I wanted to put it in other words, you know, I think of it this way. I have about 60 minutes to minister to the person who's debating divorce, um, having an affair, self-harm, giving up on faith, or the list goes on and on. You know, my question is, 
how can I share Jesus with that person in a way that extends his arm to them to hold on to? Because churches are filled with people that are stepping out or maybe even falling out of the boat and sinking in the water when Jesus is just a step away. So the question for the worship leader is, well, how can I be Jesus to that person in my planning? Um, so, you know, you wow. want to talk about different approaches to worship. Um, I think historically, a lot of churches in our fellowship, in our tribe, um, have viewed worship as a checklist or a transaction versus more of a deeper meaning. Um, I think the way I would answer your question, though, is with another question. Um, okay. Are you worshiping God to earn his favor or are you responding to God's grace and worship? Oh, wow. And, Ex exactly. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I respect anybody who's trying to do things that honor God, to bring reverence to his name. We should all do that. Um, but one of those says, I better be careful to get this right so I can go to heaven. And the other says, well, this is what I do in response to who God is, what he's done for me, and what he's promised to do for us in the future because God hasn't failed. And when you know that, that makes you want to worship because we're not deserving of the grace and mercy that God gives us. So, you know, we can never worship enough to give God what he truly deserves. And, you know, I just don't see how God can look at somebody pouring out their heart and worship <laughs> yeah. and say, well, thank you for your desire, but I really wish you hadn't done that with clapping, you know? <laughs> so it's really yeah. a question of, and I respect people that, you know, abstain and, even have theological issues with that. But to me, it's really a question of, well, am I worshiping God to earn my salvation or am right. I doing this in response for the salvation that he has given to me through Jesus Christ? Wow. So this whole, this whole different approach, this is different emphasis on worship really goes back to the fundamental question of what do we talk about when we talk about God? Uh, is God sort of this demanding needs it to be done exactly the right way in order to uh, gain his favor or uh, is, does God desire mercy and not sacrifice, as Jesus would say? To, to throw a quick little anecdote out there about that, one of the most amazing things about uh, being a father, uh, from my perspective, is uh, learning more about who God is. So like, for example, when my son was first born uh, two and a half years ago, I held him in my arms and I'm looking into his face and just looking at how innocent and fragile this life is that I've helped create. And I just said to him, I said, regardless of who you are or who you become or the decisions that you make, you are never going to stop being my child. <laughs> You're never going to stop being my beloved son. And it kind of hit me like, how, how could God not look at us in the same way? So, so fast forward about six or seven months, and we've started transitioning to, you know, uh, just nursing to eating soft foods, Cheerios, things like that. And you, you put it to its mouth, you, you know, you give it to him. And then eventually he has the presence of mind to take this soggy Cheerio, maybe out of his mouth, and he holds it up to you. And as a parent, you're like, whoa, what a wonderful gift. And so you take this soggy Cheerio that's detestable to everybody else in the universe and you receive it with such joy because it's your child who's given it to you. This ignorant, he doesn't know anything about the universe. He reaches out to you with his hand and gives you this soggy cheerio. And you're like, oh, this is the best gift. And I can't help but think that God is the same way, like you're saying. He, he looks at our gifts, clapping, no clapping, raising hands, no raising hands, uh, you know, drums, no drums. And he's like, whoa, what, what a wonderful gift my child has brought before me. I, I think that's just such a, amazing outlook on worship that I, I've thought about, but the way that you put it really, uh, really sort of brought that whole concept home with home to me. So um, you mentioned worship is like a checklist or is like a, uh, like a transaction. Um, I know that a lot of our, our listeners can uh, relate to that regardless of what tradition they've come from. We've probably all uh, been in that sort of state of mind. So when you are uh, planning out the worship, for that Sunday, what's your approach? How do you intentionally sort of move away from that concept or paint a different picture for people? Like, do you have any routines? Do you meet with a team for that? Like what, what do you, what, what's the average weekday look for you? I look like for you moving towards Sunday. So I try to do most of my planning on Mondays. Yeah. Um, 
So it really starts with me talking to Josh, our teaching minister, about what he's specifically covering for that next week. That way I can figure out what's going to be a good fit. Um, I think it's important to consider um, inviting the Holy Spirit into the planning. And yeah. I'll admit that's something that I need to take more time to do personally is you know, spend more time praying for God to guide me during the process of planning. Um, wow, because, yeah. Because, you know, I believe that, you know, the Holy Spirit can present himself through the planning and through conversations that maybe ministers are having with each other about what we're going to do in the assembly. You know, the Spirit isn't just spontaneous in that sense. So, I mean, really what's important to me you know, I think of the illustration, my, my brain kind of works in pictures sometimes. Um, I don't know how many of the people that are listening were ever in band, like marching band. I did it. And, you know, when you're doing warm ups and marching and the block and everything, it doesn't take very long before the grass in the field dies where everybody's been walking back and forth because it's the same spots. Or consider like maybe a cow in a field, you know, the paths eventually get worn down where there's no grass. Um, I kind of think worship is that way sometimes because we expect to sing the same songs and do the same order all the time. And it's like we are walking in dead grass oh. and like from a spiritual sense, you know, like it's my job, like as the person who has the pastoral hat on for the worship to be giving people spiritual nutrients. Well, how can I do that when I'm making them walk on dead grass? Um, yeah. So I always try to make things feel new, almost unpredictable, but not in a way that is noticeable to people or distracting. But yeah. I try yeah. to make sure whatever I do, whether it's songs or whether it's the order, the flow, um, it's whatever is going to be best for the message. So you know, we may do a song, a scripture, a few more songs, that sort of thing. Or we may flip it up and do a song and do the sermon and then wait and do communion and the rest of the worship after the sermon. Um, wow. Just whatever keeps it fresh and whatever drives the message that we are talking about home the best. It's interesting. So I know that people who come from that more strict style, if they were to attend your church for a few weeks or so, they'd probably start to get a little fidgety. Like, what's going to happen this? It's, it's supposed to be, you know, a song, a prayer, two songs in communion and two songs in the sermon. So like if someone came to you um, from a pastoral perspective and they were like, okay, Sean, Alex, listen, you're a great singer, but I never know what to expect. One week it's disorder. The next week it's disorder. I'm, what, what do I do with this? I've never had this before. Like how, how might you, you know, deal with that situation? How might you respond to that person? So I haven't had that happen yet. Okay. Um, okay. I will say that one thing that we have tried to do at Clear Creek, just because it's kind of been a, a more sensitive time just in our church, um, just in the season, is if we know we are definitely flipping the script on people, sometimes we give them a heads up. Yeah. You know, okay. Hey, you know, we think that it makes more sense to take communion after the lesson today. That way people aren't distracted by a change thinking, well, we just aren't taking communion anymore. You know, what's going oh, yeah. on here? Um, yeah, but, you okay. know, I think, if, I think if somebody were to come up to me one-on-one, -on -one, you know, I will just reassure them of, you know, what we're trying to do. And if you can explain the purpose behind maybe something that is different, that helps people get on board with what's going on. Yeah, so, so it really comes down to communicating the, the purpose. And, I mean, just in this 20 minutes that we've already been talking, I, I have – actually learned a lot about worship living that I didn't know going into this conversation. I just knew perspectives and maybe a slightly different nuance. And so even having uh, that little conversation with someone may go a long way in explaining your motives, but also uh, sort of being transparent in the service as well. Uh, if you know you have someone that may get a little nervous if you don't take communion, you know, after that third or fourth song, just mentioning that, hey, it's coming later, will sort of set them at ease and kind of give them you know, maybe a little bit more expectation so that they're not totally thrown off in the service and they can really focus in on the message and trust that you as a, you know, full-time paid worship minister is going to provide them with something useful for their life and just sort of put, put their trust in you and put their trust in God who's working for you and uh, working through you. And, and, I, and I bet that knowing that, that your worship minister is sitting down praying that the Holy Spirit guides them in 
planning out that service should set a lot of people's minds at ease, right? Uh, just knowing that they're they're in good hands and you're someone that they can trust and that they can look to for that spiritual nourishment. Um, what other what other things do you do through the week? So you talk about meeting with your teaching minister. Um, is there any other routines or you know sort of schedules that you might stick to um, reviewing the previous service or anything like that? Yeah, that's something that I always do. Um, I always go back and watch our streams and that sort of thing um, to figure out from like the use the word production, um, that sort of thing. You know, is there any AV kinks we need to work out? But also personally, you know, what can Sean Alex do better next time or what could we improve upon to raise this, you know, raise our batting average is a phrase that we talk about sometimes as staff. Yeah. You know, what can we do to raise our batting average just a percentage, you know. Um, another thing, I, tr- I try to stick to a schedule as far as getting songs to my praise team and scheduling and that sort of thing. Um, so those are a few routines that I try to do. I try to keep my praise team scheduled in advance to honor their time. Um, when do you always... uh, when do you when do you try to get your songs to the praise team? What day? So I try to get songs in on Monday. I definitely have sent an email by Tuesday morning telling them, "Hey, the songs are in. This is what we're doing. We'll see you wow. in practice on Thursday." Um, oh, because... so you actually get together on Thursday to practice. Then. Yeah, so we don't do uh, Wednesday night practice. We do Thursday night, and that's just been what's kind of worked since I started working here. And I try to plan in advance my praise team for the next week. So like today or yesterday, I've already sent my email out for my next week's praise team, just figuring out who's available and that sort of thing. Oh, that's great. So how many people do you have eligible to kind of be on the praise team? You have a pool of about... 10, 12, 13 people or so, or? So we have, Clear Creek has historically had a praise team for a long time. Um, okay, depending wow. on who you ask, it depends <laughs> on how long we've had it. But I think we've had it for like at least 10 years, maybe 15-ish. Um, so we have about, I work with about 30-something people in my worship ministry wow. that rotate around. If you're counting AV, it's probably closer to 40 or so. Um, so we've been blessed with a number of people that are able to participate on the praise team. That's awesome. So I'm sure kind of from this conversation already, I kind of may know the answer to this. So if you have a pool of about 30 people and you're sort of planning out a worship, I know you want to get everybody on a pretty uh, good routine so that nobody feels left out or anything. But I bet there's times when you're like, hey, we're going to sing, uh, you know, our God, he is alive today, you know, 728B. And I know that Jeff over there, he's got like the best, he, he does that song great on that tenor. So I, I'm sure that you even have probably some people who you know, like, okay, this person loves this song, that person loves this song, and you can kind of fill them into the worship. So it, it's even more specific than people might even think, right? It's not just a random pull. It's, you're probably a little more intentional even picking out specific singers at times. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's definitely different than any other ministry, just because... Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter if Dan and Susie greet together, but in my ministry, they really may not sing well together just because of their tone um, and just style of how they sing. So there's a lot of considerations when planning who's going to sing with who. Um, Yeah, wow. What I did, now I've only been in ministry full-time for two years, so I'm still learning what's best and that sort of thing. What has been working for us, though, was... I started trying to make sure, okay, each person has to sing this many times a month, you know, that sort of thing. I have steered to, okay, how can I put this team together and the service together where it's going to best suit our church and best serve our church? Yeah. So that may mean that I have core people that sing a little more often than other people because they are a stronger singer. And that's not a personal thing. It's just, okay, how can we best serve our church? Well, we have... uh... We have, I think, five people that are on the praise team. We have maybe uh, one soprano, two altos, a tenor, and a bass. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, but we have a few alternates. And so uh, sometimes, you know, our bass is out, so I'll hop in there and sing bass. But, you know, our worship leader prefers typically to have close to the same crew, or at least those same voices that he can really depend upon, that he knows will, you know, put in the work to learn the music beforehand and things like that. So that's a uh, that's. It's pretty cool. I haven't really thought of, I didn't, 
I didn't really think about it. You know, my only experience with the praise team has been at this church. So I just kind of thought you might've had, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten people that you're working with, but you got a whole pool of 30 to pull from. That's, that's pretty fun. I mean, no wonder, you know, a church like that could benefit from having a, uh, a full-time uh, worship minister. Cause there's so many, uh, so many uh, moving parts there. So you pick out your songs on Monday, you try to send them out by Monday, maybe early Tuesday. And I noticed that you guys, uh, you ha- only have the lyrics up on the screen behind you. I'm, I'm assuming you have some PowerPoint screens as well uh, up there, perhaps. And then on the live stream, I know it's just music, or rather, rather, it's just the lyrics. So, does the praise team do they memorize their sheet music, or do they just know the songs? Well, like, you know, what what's the what's the routine there? So the praise team has the music on stands. Um, to be completely candid, that's something that I've told them I want us to get away from a little bit just because sometimes they can get their heads buried in the music and maybe I want to do something different in the moment, you know, and it's like I almost have to, hey, you know, look up here because we're about to do something here. Yeah. Um, but we only project in the house, uh, we only project the lyrics and it's been that way from what I gather a very long time before I was started at Clear Creek. And one of the rationale that I've heard for that was just, well, what does a first time guest that's never been to a church of Christ think? Do they feel like that I have to be able to sing well to be a part of this church? Oh yeah. Do I have to, do I have to be a member of Mensa to <laughs> be able to come here? Right. Uh, I know that if you weren't raised with it, I mean, even if I go to a church that doesn't have shape notes, you know, um, it's like, oh man, this is a little bit different, you know, singing these parts. Uh, you know, I know the spaces between the notes, but those shape notes kind of help me differentiate between the spaces and what do I do here, you know? And then of course, when you visit other churches outside of our fellowship, uh, you know, you, you might not always be able to sing harmony anyways, uh, depending on, <laughs> you know, depending on the situation, but, but yeah, I can see that. So it's more of about, uh, being a, I guess, like a seeker friendly kind of environment. You want the atmosphere to be welcoming to all. And if they see this complicated alien like script up on the screen, they're like, what is going on here? You know, they might, they might've seen sheet music before, but having everybody kind of know what part they're supposed to sing and you not having any clue, you know, may throw you off. So, well, I can, I can, I can appreciate that reasoning. Uh, that's been a debate here at our church. So I'm going to send this audio to, uh, <laughs> to some folks, but so the praise team does have access to the sheet music, but you would prefer that they didn't. Uh, so is there, besides just wanting to uh, mix things up kind of in the moment, is there any other rationale behind that? Like, yeah, I think sometimes, you know, like people that are singers or musicians, you know, can kind of fall into a trap of, perfection sometimes and you know i was telling our group last night at practice um that we were doing for another service you know like i mean it's important to me that we do things with excellence because you know god is worthy of our best offerings but i think like as a musician you know it's easy to think man i totally messed up right here or i missed a note here that sort of thing ah we did terrible (laughs) And that's not what I want my people to be able to take. You know, I want us to prepare well, but before we focus on doing our stuff well with a good job, doing a good job, you know, we need to be focused on ministering to God's heart first. And that's just a a heart posture and just an attitude that we need to have that we desire to worship God first versus, you know, getting our music 100% right. Yeah. And also if you're in a situation where your praise team is learning the song as they're singing it, uh, sight reading the notes, you're probably not doing that great anyways, you know? So, um, but also one, one of the, re- one of the things I was thinking about is my favorite times in my life singing ever has been not at like the ball field Devo at Maywood, but that moment when 10 or 15 people say, Hey, you want to go to the canteen and sing while everybody else goes and plays basketball before bed. Yeah, exactly. And you have those, 10 or 15 people singing, you don't have sheet music. You know, back when I was at camp, we didn't have the CYC app or whatever on our phone where we could uh, look up the music on the fly. Like we had all the songs memorized and we sang harmony and you didn't, you weren't so worried about it. It was beautiful. And I feel like whenever I've had the opportunity to worship lead and I'll pick a few of those old camp songs that I used to sing all the time. 
and I look at the music and I'm like, in praise team practice, I know the song well and I'm singing it and I'm looking at the music and I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't even, I'm not even technically singing this correctly. And it kind of messes with your mind, you know? <laughs> so I, I can see how, um, I can see how trying to get your praise team to move away from that and kind of depend more upon the the gifts that God has given them. And also being more focused on leading worship well uh, would be more, you know, would, it'd be more, it'd be more beneficial if they moved away from having that very technical, I got to follow the rules, sheet music right in front of them. So I appreciate you uh, weighing in on that debate. I'll definitely have to send this audio to some people from our, uh, our praise team who get the very, uh, not heated arguments. It's kind of joking, you know, but we kind of poke fun about, uh, about that whole topic, but I can see what you mean and the, and the benefits of that. Um, let's see. So I mentioned camp songs. Uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot when we're planning out our worship is how do we balance, um, singing the classics, you know, there, uh, uh, there is a God and, uh, you know, uh, let's see, like home of the soul, <laughs> you know, with some of those camp songs, like light the fire. And then some of these new songs, like open up the heavens and, Behold Our God and, uh, you know, that those those contemporary Christian music turned acapella per Zoe group and United Voice Worship. Like, how do you balance that out in your service? Or do you even try to you sort of let it happen naturally? What's so the culture at Clear Creek has been for a pretty good while that it leans to the newer, more praise songs than it does hymns. Yeah, I would say. What I try to do is it really just depends on what fits the message best. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of an old song. Our God, he is alive. Yeah, there you go. May really bring down the house and really bring the message home better than a newer song. So it's to me, it's really just a question of effectiveness um, for yeah. what we're trying to do. Now, I will say that I try to incorporate some of the older songs as well just because it's what some of our people really know. And I'd have to realize that my church is bigger than me and my preferences and what feeds me. Um, yeah. You know, if we only sang the songs that I liked, then, you know, there's a lot of songs we wouldn't sing, but I have to recognize, <laughs> well, and I think we all need to recognize, Hey, you know, what does it for me and what fills me may not at all this other person. So we need to just think of other people when we are, thinking about songs and worship that we may like or may or we may not like yeah that's that's a good that's a good outlook as well it's just that that mind of christ right looking to others needs more than your own and you might get up and sing like a whole you know set from united voice worship whereas people out in the crowd they might not even be familiar with those songs and uh, you know, they might miss those old classics every now and then, you know, they might want to sing an I'll fly away or the glory land way on occasion, you know? And so just having that servant pastoral attitude goes a long way. And also again, takes the worship, you know, focus from ourselves to emphasizing the, you know, as you mentioned a second ago, uh, worshiping God and putting all the emphasis on him and understanding that some people can, worship God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength with some songs better than others, especially if they're songs they might be unfamiliar with or maybe not be that into the style. And so having that good balance um, is definitely helpful. So that being said, let's say that you, we have a song leader listening right now, and they're like, man, I don't want to be a song leader. I want to be a worship leader. I want to be like Sean Alex and Clear Creek Church and Jason Simmons and you know, bring the house down and make the worship flow. Uh, what resources would you recommend to that person? What, how do you get started with that, do you think? So I would say one thing that's very important is just self-awareness. You need to go back, you know, if your church live streams, you need to go back and watch what you're doing specifically. You know, I'm looking, you know, from my ministry, you know, I'm looking from a production side of like, you know, okay, how's the mix with the praise team? You know, do we have enough of our house mics in where you can hear the church singing? You know, that sort of thing. But the one of the most important things, though, is I watch myself. And I need to figure out, okay, well, this was pitchy when I did this. Or maybe I said this and I kind of fumbled around. You know, yeah. you need to be self-aware to figure out what your strengths and places you can improve are. But I would say more than that, um, 
you know, some of the things that have been most resourceful to me have just been other people and relationships with other worship ministers. Um, mm-hmm. One of the biggest things for me was when I interned at West Houston um, with Nick Dunbar um, out in Texas when I was in college at Harding. Like that really, I, I would not be able to do my job if I had not interned there, I fully believe. Um, another thing, though, is the Agape Conference is really good. Um, that's the conference that United Voice Worship is leading now. And it's kind of, Zoe has kind of taken a break from worship conferences in the last couple years. Um, but if you want a quality worship conference that talks from worship to just reconciling the greater church and, you know, crossing cultures and races and everything, which is very important, um, the Agape Conference is where you should go. And that's also where most of the new arrangements are being introduced for new songs. Yeah, I know that some songs we don't even have the sheet music to, but we learned them through uh, our youth or our, our worship ministry, I should say, going to those conferences and getting those recordings and like <laughs> distributing to the praise team and say, learn, learn your part, <laughs> you know, listen to it. And so there are some songs we only have lyrics on, like uh, Give Us Clean Hands mm-hmm. um, and a few others that we had to learn from those conferences or from secondhand information from those conferences. So I'm sure that's helpful. And I know another thing that we talked about too is uh, you might not have a personal relationship with a worship minister that you consider to be really strong, you know, like a really strong worship worship leader. But one thing that you can do um, if, you know, before you try to make that connection through Facebook or whatever uh, is go watch their live stream. As I mentioned, uh, you and I, we've traded notes on live streams before, specifically on how to deal with our software. We both use ProPresenter uh, 7, uh, but also just looking at tips and tricks like their transitions and their announcement slides and the general feel of the, of the, of the live stream. I know that's been helpful for me um, as sort of the technology minister at my church and, and helping out with the worship leading is drawing from other, other live streams. So let me throw you another uh, curveball. Uh, are there any live streams that you just, you go and you watch that maybe not every week, but like that's, that's where you, that's your go-to for inspiration. Any particular churches you can think of? So if we're staying within churches of Christ and like, if you do acapella worship, um, North Boulevard in Murfreesboro has an excellent mix as far as the acapella they have from a production standpoint, they do a really good job. Um, I would say Otter Creek does a really good job with their acapella and their instrumental. Um, yeah. Now, I really like Monterey out in Lubbock, uh, where Sam Souter is. He does a really good job, and especially with their instrumental. I like their instrumental stream a lot. Um, but those are kind of a couple that I really look at pretty often. Yeah, I, I have a few um, that I watch that are uh, instrumental. I like the word of life church with brian zond uh they have they have a pretty good flow in their worship uh but also um grace point and nashville with josh scott i like a lot of their production as well uh josh scott used to appear on this podcast a few times back when kevin and lee were the host and i've you know i've taken a lot of things from a lot of these live streams you've mentioned even some of the ones you talked about otter creek and north boulevard and others okay um big question this is probably the most important question i could ask um, that is, who do you prefer? Who, who's who's your who's your favorite acapella group? Specifically, Zoe or United Voice Worship? So Zoe has been around for a long time and is really solid. But I've got to say, I mean, I would say before I say anything, I use both. Um, I think yeah. both groups are really yeah. good, and they complement <laughs> each other really well because they are both yes. different from each other. So they're yes, not really exactly. competition. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> Personally, I love the style of United Voice Worship. And a lot of that's because just I know all of the people in that group really well because I interned yeah. with Nick for a couple summers. So I got to travel with them and that sort of thing. But I'll tell you, any song that I introduce at Clear Creek, it's probably going to be United Voice Worship um, just because they are keeping up right now with the most popular songs that are out man psalm 34 that is an awesome song we uh we heard that at winterfest for the first time this year and we've implemented that into our services and have sung it a few times it is just amazing um i of course 
the only group I was aware of was Zoe Group for the longest time. And they're obviously still near and dear to my heart. And I've used them a lot to learn a lot of the new songs that I wasn't familiar with before I came here to North Broad in uh, Albertville, Alabama. And so uh, Zoe Group is near and dear to my heart. But man, the live performance that United Voice Worship gave at Winterfest uh, back in February of earlier this year was awesome. And I like nudged my buddy and I said, okay, I know they got a beatboxer, but are they also using a drum machine? Because that snare is unreal. You know, it sounds like a dude on a drum set. I mean, seriously, like that blew me away, their beatboxing. And it added a lot to their worship too, that just, I just fell in love. So, uh, beatboxer at Clear Creek, any, anytime soon, you think? <laughs> I mean, if I could wave a wand, I mean, I'd probably do it. <laughs> Um, yeah yeah we, you know i you know i think it'd be i think it'd be fun but i think that's probably something that won't happen it won't happen in the next week or anything no yeah um, for sure yeah. i'm just i'm just messing around that's we've funny. uh that's we've funny, played yeah we played we played with the idea during our practices sometimes and we never we never would uh we're not in a place where we could do that right now but and also we don't have anybody near as talented enough to competently uh you know, <laughs> to competently fill that role, but it is fun to think about and messing around with. But yeah, I yeah, I know there's not really a competition between those two groups. They're both awesome people, awesome Christians uh, who have done a lot for who've done a lot for the kingdom and producing great quality music in our in our acapella tradition. Which brings me kind of to uh, our last uh, our last little subject here. Um, I follow Clear Creek on Facebook, and I was surprised to see that. Uh, y'all are starting some preview services for, uh, for an instrumental service and would be offering an instrumental service here pretty soon uh, there in Chattanooga. So I'll, I'll let you take the reins on this. I know there's, uh, there might be some sensitive areas that I don't want to probe too deep. So I'll just allow you to take the reins. Tell, tell us a little bit about this. Uh, walk us through it. Yes. Yeah, so um, that's a good question about what our church has decided to do. And I kind of sketched out kind of some bullet points here just that way I can be pretty clear and concise because that's a pretty big topic in churches yeah, and yeah. anyways. Um, so great question. I admire the elders decision-making process because they didn't rush into this decision. Um, they actually began studying the topic over 10 years ago and yeah. the elder, the elders were good enough to put our position into a paper that anybody can read. Um, and it outlines why we believe this is the right direction for our specific church family right now. Um, you can get that on our websites. Um, but in brief, I mean, it really boils down to two things, you know, your theology and your methodology, because we know that as Christians, our practices must pass the theological and methodological filters, what the Bible says and what helps us fulfill what the Bible says. Um, so from a theological standpoint, back in 2012, our elders spent many months studying the Bible. By the way, 2012, I was in middle school or maybe ninth grade, and I grew up in a fairly conservative church. So when our elders made this decision that they realized, well, God honors instrumental worship, I wouldn't have been okay with clapping or a praise team. Dude, I, at that point, 2012, I wouldn't have been okay clapping at a baptism. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's funny. Um, to see, you know, where I was versus where the church that I currently serve at was at the same time. But in 2012, they came to the biblical conclusion that God honors acapella and instrumental praise in the corporate assembly. And they went back through the study in 2021 and reaffirmed that God allows and honors acapella praise and instrumental praise in the corporate assembly. Um, so that's the theological um, view. From a methodological view, they also discerned back in 2021, that it was the right time for us, Clear Creek, to offer an acapella worship service and an additional instrumental worship service on Sunday mornings. Um, they came to this decision for a variety of reasons, um, such as many in our church are blessed by instrumental praise, um, and our elders wanted to take care of them just as they have taken care of our members who prefer acapella praise. Um, secondly, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And our unchurched friends primarily listen to instrumental music in the car, at home, concerts, um, etc. So adding an instrumental service makes it more comfortable for some of our members and future members to invite their unchurched friends. 
and last. Uh, many of our kids, and I say kids, I would be this too because I'm I, I just turned 25 and I've seen it happen with my graduating class and people about my age. Many of our kids leave high school and leave our church in search of one with instrumental praise. And at Clear Creek, we didn't want our kids to have to leave home to worship God with their whole hearts and compromise maybe some of their theological convictions for a church that had the worship that feeds them. Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. That's a great answer. Um, I really appreciate that. And we, we've had a lot of those similar conversations at our church too, about how do you balance shepherding and, and pastoring a, an older generation that may not quite understand some of those, uh, you know, some of those perspectives while at the same time, equally giving attention to a younger generation who may yearn for more of those free expressions of worship. And, and even the older generation may not think that it's biblically wrong or whatever, but they may still be uncomfortable with adopting something like that just because it's, it's so far out of their comfort zone, right? So that is, I applaud your shepherds for taking the time to really go through that and providing your congregation with that paper and, and uh, wanting to really minister to everyone equally and not to, you know, show favor towards one or the other, but to really try to take a balanced approach to the whole subject. So that's, I, I love that answer. That's awesome. Well, you have any and, other insights? Yeah, yeah. And one thing that I appreciate is they only wanted to make the decision if somebody who did not want to go to an instrumental worship um, we didn't want anybody to feel like they had to violate their conscience because yeah. I understand, even though, you know, maybe you and I see the whole, the, the biblical stance of being okay to use instruments that way, you know, I understand there's some people in our church that may not see it that way and feel like they are actually, you know, doing something that is wrong. We wanted to make sure that there was still space for people who felt that way to be able to worship acapella in the way that they are used to doing or the way that they feel like God wants them to do. Um, we didn't want to do something that would be forceful to make everybody worship with instruments all of a sudden, um, just because we felt like that would be a divisive thing for our church to do. So that's why we're doing a separate acapella and a separate instrumental service. So uh, your role as the worship minister, then how, how does that play into this new format? Are you, are you going to be at both services? Are you going to, uh, do you, do you play an instrument by chance? Like how, how do you fit into this new, this new service here? So I will say, I mean, I love acapella music and I think our church knows that I love acapella praise. Um, so yeah. I'm definitely going to be leading most of the worship at both services. Um, but really my role is to build teams to lead worship with me and just casting vision and make sure both worship styles stay vibrant and God honoring. Um, we don't think that this instrumental music decision is a silver bullet. Um, we don't want the acapella to be thought of as the redhead of the stepchild or anything like that. Yeah, we right. want to give honor and praise to both styles because we believe God honors both of those. So we don't want to make people feel less than just because they choose to worship acapella or vice versa instrumental. Yeah, it's not like this is our actual service and you guys, yeah, we're just sort of putting this out there for y'all because you're going to cause trouble if we don't. No, it's not that at all. It's it's understanding that we need to become all things to all people. And that means offering different options if if it needs to be. And of course, you guys are welcome to come to our come to the our instrumental service. And of course, you're welcome to come to the acapella service. You know, we're not playing favorites. We just have to provide uh, spiritual nutrition for everyone equally without showing favorites to any part. And I think that's good that um, you'll be able to maintain that balance between both services. And And your job at this point is delegation, it sounds like, finding those people with those gifts and helping them lead worship and casting that common vision and sort of uh, pastoring them and leading worship in that way. So did you ever... I, I thought you were about to say something. Maybe it was just static in my <laughs> in my, in my headphones there. Um that's, that's a really great vision. I, I'm super excited for you guys. I love what you are doing on uh, Facebook. Um, I applaud you for uh, dealing with the extra production demand that it's going to take to, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to get all of the uh, instruments and things like that going. Um, one other thing I noticed, uh, you guys, and this is not a question I sent to you beforehand. Sorry about that. But I noticed that your praise team remains in the audience. Um, do they typically sit together? Um, 
I can see a few of them on the stream, but it's hard to pick out everybody. But do they typically sit together in the audience? Yeah, so our praise team right now just sits on the front row. Um, okay. So we are together, but we're kind of spread out on the front row. I got you. Our, most of ours sit sort of together, kind of naturally, because they're all, you know, their kids play with each other and their friends, you know, and things like that. But uh, I know that some people have praise team up on the stage. Is there a reason why you guys have elected to kind of keep them sort of on that front row instead of bringing them up on stage with yourself? So our church has never had a praise team on the stage. Now in the instrumental service, we will have people up on the platform, um, but our leadership elected to keep the acapella the same right now, just because we wanted, since this is such a big thing for our church to have the instrumental service, we wanted to make sure we were keeping the same offering in acapella right now. Yeah, I've heard I've heard some people make arguments about the body language of the praise team can often help enhance the worship and things like that. And others say all is for show, so just keep them in the <laughs> crowd or whatever. So I knew there were a lot of different takes on that. But again, I applaud your shepherds for really looking out for your uh, the people who more prefer the acapella tradition and really demonstrating that they're not any less for wanting to go that route. That they're just as honored, just as respected. Uh, just as part of the congregation as everybody else is. And so I, I think it's, I think it's a, a beautiful showing of a unity, not in spite of, but because of our diversity, we can have an even more beautiful form of unity than unity that might be found in forcing everyone to conform to one way or the other way. So Absolutely. I really appreciate that, man. Really do. Hey, do you have any uh, sort of closing thoughts, closing ideas that you want to throw out to the people here on exploring faith, pursuing grace before we get ready for Wednesday night service? <laughs> Man, I would just say I hope that you find, you know, something insightful about worship. And I hope that you, like me, um, will be able to just sit down and really think about what you believe and be open to realizing, hey, maybe somebody sees this deeper than I'm able to see right now. And just exploring that and walking, you know, towards Jesus. And I think that we'll, you know, we'll be in a good place, you know, as we're all following Jesus and trying to be more like him every day. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And Sean, Alex, man, thank you so much for joining us. I've been, I've been such a big fan of yours on Facebook since we started getting connected and watching your live streams. And I'm really glad that you um, accepted the invite to uh, be on our podcast today, but uh, don't forget everyone to uh, be sure to subscribe, be sure to share the podcast with others. So you think might find it beneficial And as Lee would often say, uh, the reviews on iTunes really help. So if you can leave us that five-star review, that really helps push the podcast out to other people who might be in uh, a similar situation to Sean, Alex, and myself at one point where we were struggling with these ideas, you know, is is our conservative, more maybe legalistic, perhaps upbringing all there is? Or is there a whole nother world out there that we can explore as we explore faith and pursue grace together? Y'all have a great day and God bless.